All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 16 of the Good Life LA edition with David Meltzer. Uh, welcome to the podcast, David. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic. I feel even better being here with you. Such a young rising star here at this amazing stadium. So you've made my day. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, for those of you that um, at home that don't know much about David, uh, David is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing. He is a consultant and business coach, a keynote speaker, three times best-selling author and the host of his own podcast, The Playbook. In 2016, David was issued by Forbes as a top 10 keynote speaker you must hire for in 2016. Uh, resume says it all. Uh, you want to give us a little uh, one-minute, two-minute synopsis of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, sure. There's been three worlds which I ventured through, and the first world was a world of not enough that I was born into. I had a single mom who raised six kids, working two jobs, packing my dinner in a paper bag just so we could eat. And I just wanted to be rich. So the first section of my life was wanting to be rich and living in the world of not enough as a victim, looking at everybody else, asking, why not me? And then out of law school, I made my first million dollars nine months out of law school. And I entered a new world called the world of just enough. And it was still a scarce world where there was just enough for me as a millionaire. I would buy things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Uh, but I had a lot of lessons to learn. I thought money could buy me love and happiness. And in fact, over the last 10 years in that middle section from 24 to 34, everything I did confirmed that money buys loves and happiness. I married my dream girl. I had houses, cars, ski mountain all types of different things that I own. Like I said, buying those things, different things, more things. And then I had an epiphany. I lost everything. I was running the most notable sports agency in the world called Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about uh, my sports agency. And so not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to what even billionaires could afford to do. Sidelines at Super Bowls and Pro Bowls, the Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. I could do anything mm -hmm. except for I wasn't happy. And so I had to lose everything to find everything. And over the last 16 years, I've been in a journey to live in a different world. Not the world of not enough where I was a victim, not the world of just enough buying things that I didn't need to impress people I didn't like, uh, to buy happiness and love, but a world of more than enough, a value add world, not a zero sum game, a value add world of knowing there's something bigger than me, an infinite, all knowing, all powerful source, an abundant source of everything for everyone. And that's the world I've been living in for 16 years, going on 17. And now I'm trying to empower people like you, young 21-year-olds, young 25-year-olds, 35 and 45-year-olds, to empower others, to empower others to be happy, to teach them how to make a lot of money, to live in the world of more than enough, to help a lot of people, to live in the world of more than enough, and to have a lot of fun, to be happy living in the world of more than enough of everything for everyone. Wow. I mean, your story is absolutely, it's so inspiring, especially for somebody as young as me wanting to go, go where you've been and get to where you are. So I got to ask for a 21 year old, 25 year old, whatever it may be, what's the number one predictor of success? You know, it's interesting because I've done over 1400 episodes of my own podcast. I've done thousands of interviews. I speak on stages around the world. I've talked to every billionaire, millionaire, entrepreneur, celebrity, athlete, entertainer, and there's one common denominator. You must have the desire 
to be what you want you want to be you must have a desire to be what you must be you must have a desire to be everything you can be and if you have that desire to be your best to learn lessons and have fun i promise you it's just a matter of time until you do so let's say that somebody doesn't have a desire they don't know what they're passionate about um, they don't know how to go that direction what would you say to that person? Yeah, so I created five daily practices, which I'd be more than happy to give to your entire community because this is probably the most common. I have a 23, a 21, and an 18-year-old daughters. I have a 12-year-old son. Them and all their friends are like, Dad, how, how do you know what you want? How do you know what your passion is? How do you know? Let me help you. Let's just start with today. And I give five daily practices to help everyone, whether you're 18, 28, 38, 48, or 58, it doesn't matter. This is what we do. Number one, just think about what you want today. What do you want today in the trajectory aiming towards what you think you want in the future? Don't attach your emotions to an outcome. Don't tell me you wanna be a doctor or a lawyer or a failure. Just simply say, today, Considering everything going around, COVID, the economy, friends, the TV schedule for the day, you know, gaming, whatever you want to deal with today, what is it I want today personally, me personally, what do I want? Not what other people want, not what's missing, not what you don't want, but what do you want today in a trajectory aiming towards where you think you want to be in the future? Then ask yourself, who can help me and who can I help? That's great. And, uh, you know, I follow you a lot and you speak a lot about just asking for help or asking questions or, and that's how I ended up here. I just, you know, tagged you an Instagram clip, you messaged us and said, come fly out. And there's a lot of power into um, just, you know, just taking the risk and being open and making yourself available to others. I wanted to ask you, um, I wanted you to speak on, uh, you know, for the younger generation, I feel like a lot of people are closed-minded. I want you to go go in depth on the differences and, you know, the opportunities you get from being open-minded versus closed-minded. Yeah, first I want to make the distinction that I believe everyone has an open mind. Mm -hmm. But some people have an open mind the majority of the time and some people have a closed mind the majority of the time. Right, right. And so I always try to vet people or discover by being more interested than interesting when somebody has an open mind. See, people who have an open mind have an open heart. People who have an open heart have open hands. Open hands give and receive. And so when we show up by having an open mind, as you have shown up here, taking the expense, the effort, and the time to show up here to the greatest stadium ever created, to have and be on and with one of the biggest brands in the entrepreneurial space. It's all because you have an open mind, an open heart, and open hands. You're willing to do all three. See, not only do you do it, say it, think it, believe it, but you felt confident enough to ask. And so what I want people to do is to not just vet other people for having an open mind, but vet yourself. Ask yourself, am I utilizing an open mind in this situation in order to effectuate an open heart and open hands, which creates efficiencies, effectiveness, and statistical success and coincidences in my life that change my life? I can't tell you how many people have changed their life by taking one action, and that action is to show up. Yeah, no, and I, I, one of my favorite sayings is that inaction is a slow death. 
action is a life-giving breath, you know, so I'm a younger guy, I'm doing this, that, trying trying to figure out, okay, this doesn't work, this works, and, you know, sometimes I feel burnt out, and, you know, it happens, and I understand it happens, how do I sustain myself, my self-growth over the course of 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, what I try to do is shift the paradigm. See, people ask me, I'm, I'm 55 years old. How do you have so much energy? How are you always so positive? How do you do everything that you do? And I tell them simply, you have as much energy as I do. What I have fi- figured out is what you're talking about. You see, instead of thinking about how am I going to get more, more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, and more worthy, I shift the paradigm and say, I am, what am I doing to interfere with it? I am healthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? I am happy. What am I doing to interfere with it? I have enough energy. What am I doing to interfere with it? I know there's something bigger than me, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source of energy that loves me more than my mom, but I'm interfering with it all the time. So if you feel exhausted or burned out, ask yourself, what am I doing to interfere with my potential? What am I doing to interfere with the happiness and energy that I have and start enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my own potential. People who feel burned out are feeling burned out because they are focusing in on the interference of what they don't have or what they resist or a need to be right or offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful. All these different things just interfere and make you feel stuck. They make you feel burned out. I never feel burned out because the minute I feel something that's interfering with my true potential, I just stop. I remind, recollect, and remember what I want, and I roll in that direction. I don't accelerate in the wrong direction with depression, anxiety, fear, worrying, guilt, resentment, offense, you know, all those different things. I used to waste days, weeks, months, and years. Now I only waste minutes and moments on those types of thoughts. Wow, that's great. You mentioned uh, depression, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like with social media, iPhones, um, whatever it may be, it's more common than ever. How does somebody get out of that rut? Like, what are what are something you share? I mean, you got kids, and you said, you know, 23, 21, 18. What, what do you recommend to them when they're in a rut and to everybody else listening? Yeah, well, first, you got to meet people where they're at. Right, so many people try to take a simple approach. They'll take someone who's depressed or anxious and they'll say, well, just look at the glass half full. It doesn't work. Um, Let's meet people where we're at, right? Let's ask them what they're doing today. So I'll ask my kids if, if they have a bout or a struggle, right, that caused them anxiety or even depression, I'll say, tell me what you're doing today. What do you like about that? And I'll listen to them. What don't you like about it? And then I ask them, would, I don't tell them, I ask them, would it help you if? Or would it help you if? And then I ask them, what can you do for other people? Knowing what you've explained to me, how can you help other people? You know, for me, when someone's unemployed, they always ask me, what's the best thing I can do? I'm like, go and go volunteer. Best thing if you're unemployed, go volunteer. The universe will reward you. You have so many options, opportunities, and touches of favor by helping other people. Look, if you don't feel good, go help somebody else feel good. And so go outside, pick up trash in your neighborhood if you're depressed. Go help someone across the street. Go volunteer and help some kid. I will tell you that giving, receiving, and witnessing giving and receiving are the greatest biochemical and 
physiological and psychological and philosophical and theoretical and religious way to feel better. If you simply give to other people, ask for help and witness the same, you will experience dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins. You will experience joy, peace, and truth. You will be living in the trajectory that you want. So change the paradigm. Find out what I'm doing today. Look at what I like about it, what I don't like about it, and then make the change. See, would it help if, and one of the things I know will help is to help other people. Absolutely. I want to make two points here, and I completely agree with you helping uh, with other people only good can happen. One example is every Sunday after church, me and my girlfriend will go to Target and we'll buy, you know, just $25 gift card to Target, but then we'll walk out and go to the parking lot, just give it to a random person. And you would think I just gave him a million dollars. I mean, it really is unbelievable the power of being able to help others and make yourself available. And uh, point number two is where I work. Uh, I work for um, an insurance brokerage. And, you know, some of the guys in house, uh, you know, they weren't marketing themselves the right way where they weren't making themselves available to that opportunity. I just went up to them and be like, hey, how can I help you make more money? And they're like, oh, well, I don't really know how to market on social media. I don't know how to build out a website. I don't know how to do this and this and that. And I tell them, well, what if I could do that for you? And that's what I've done. I've built a digital marketing firm just by doing that. So and I got inspired to do or make myself available from seeing the content that you post. Uh, funny little backstory right here. And we'll continue. Yeah. That's so good, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I teach people two questions, right? Like, would it help you if? And do you know anyone that can help me? Two simple questions. Would it help you if I did your website? Would it help you if I digital marketed for you? Do you know anyone can help me? I'd like to help other people do it. And all of a sudden, you have a big digital marketing company with insurance brokers because you offered to be of service and of value with no expectation of anything in return. You are one of thousands of people that have built huge successful businesses by only wanting one thing, to be of service or value. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, speak on this. Um, I see a lot of people, they do, they're doing 10 different things at once or they have 10 different business ideas. What's, and speak on the power of being able to narrow your focus onto one thing. And then eventually once that one thing builds up, that's when you start having the conversation to where you can do this, this and that. Yeah. So let me explain the spine of opportunity. The spine of opportunity is your essence, your authenticity, and young people get confused about what is it, my essence, what is it, my authenticity. There's three things that determine your authenticity, your spine, that create different vertebrae of options, opportunities, touches of favor. And that spine consists of these three things. Number one, your skills. See, even at your age, you have skills that are valuable to me and to people my age. And people my age have more money than people your age on average. So to be able to understand what skills I have, you also have knowledge that I don't have that has great value. Not just of what, but of who. See, knowledge is a duality of who and what because we know not one school or the other is correct when they say it's not what you know, it's who. Bullshit. If you only know who and you don't know what, you're screwed. You can't provide any value. And if you only know what and you don't know who, you can't give it to anybody. So you need to know both who and what. So it's my skills, my knowledge of who and what, and then my desire that create this spine. 
And then what I do is I align, no pun intended, my spine with opportunities, options, and touches of favor that the skills, knowledge, and desire that I have are most aligned with. And if you're not certain what industry jobs or careers it's aligned with, look at the stock market. Look and see what companies, industry jobs, and careers are doing well in the stock market. Look at what industry careers and jobs are doing uh, stable in the stock market. And then, you know, you might be like me. You, you might be a risk taker at a young age, not afraid to lose everything. Then go ahead and look how your skills, your knowledge, and your desire are aligned with what you think is going to do well. Crypto, uh, esports, whatever it is. I don't really give a shit. But if you build a spine, by your skills, your knowledge, and desire, encapsulating your essence, you will continually align and prioritize the options, the opportunities, the different vertebrae that best will serve you and your values of what you think you want. And you can build more and more spines from there. If you stick to developing the skills, and knowledge, and desire, it doesn't matter how many opportunities they apply to because you are strictly focusing on one thing my skills, my knowledge, and my desire, and then you're applying them, you're not doing the reverse, which creates too much confusion, interference, and distraction. Wow, that's perfect. I feel like every 20-something needs to hear that. Every 30-something needs to hear that. I want to squeeze this question in before we got to go here. Um, Do you believe that a college degree, say in the business world, is really necessary nowadays? And just... I, I, yeah, like, so, so let me help you because this is a very common question that they ask Gary V, they ask Ed Milet, they ask me. And I look at different than Gary. Gary and I are close friends. We share a lot of different advice with one another about our own skills, knowledge, and desire, which are not the same. Gary's way better at certain things than I am. I'm way better than Gary at certain things as well. But this area is interesting to me. See, I see education as a must. You need to be educated. You, if you're not doing your best learning and, and enjoying, then you're not living life. So do your best, learn lessons, and have fun. No, go ahead. Yeah, so to learn lessons, mm-hmm. one of the options or places to learn is going to college. Mm-hmm. And now even today, going to college looks differently than it used to look. Right. It's not necessarily just a four-year institution. To me, education's an investment. It's the most important investment you're gonna make. It's an investment in yourself. But you need to know your timing and risk tolerance. You need to know your timing and risk tolerance aligned with your skills, the knowledge and desire, aligned with options, opportunities, and touches of favor. So, for example, if I had rich parents, I couldn't see any reason I wouldn't wanna go to an expensive four-year college. For me, because even if I wanted to be an entrepreneur, then I would go because the network is worth way more than I could afford. And forget the education. Look, I can get that education anywhere, let's be honest. But I can't get that experience of hanging out with super, you know, interesting, beautiful people and meeting their families and raising money and sharing ideas and parting my butt off when my body can handle it. Like, oh. So I, I get a little frustrated because, you know, some people are so anti-college. Look, it's a, I would not borrow a million dollars to go to college. 
I'm sorry. Like I'd put that into a bit. If you can, if you have the capability of borrowing a million bucks, and and that's I would put it into a business. Get mentorship. Use YouTube. Learn from David Meltzer, Gary Vee online. But it's a timing and risk tolerance. The bigger point that I want to hammer home: you need to get educated. Look, everybody out there, learn lessons. Do your best and have fun. Just tell yourself today: I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to do the best that I can and I'm going to have fun. You'll never be depressed. You'll never feel like a loser and you'll never feel stuck. No, I, I agree with you. And let's put, let's put, um, you know, connections aside. Let's have, let's say a community college versus like a Purdue, a Indiana university, a big 10 school. Do you think there really is that big of a gap in education there? Where do you think the kids in the community college are getting taught similarly to the kids in the Big Ten schools? And you can have a library card and learn as much as you can learn at Harvard. Look, you, you can have a subscription to Dave Meltzer on YouTube and learn as much. Like, they beg me to teach at those schools. So with, if all you're looking at is where to learn, there's much cheaper, better places to learn. And there's only truly one component that makes the difference, and it's you. And so if you ever watched the movie Goodwill Hunting, uh, it has Matt Damon in it. And I suggest it's an old movie, probably when you were born it was done. But my favorite scene, which because I am highly educated, right? I got scholarships to college, my family's highly educated. But there's a scene where this Harvard undergrad guy is just spewing bullshit about the Gagarian society and the economic, socioeconomic effects of the Gagarian society and blah, blah, blah. And Matt Damon's like, dude. You know, before you go spew your bullshit at a bar pretending, you know, that the 250 grand you're spending to go to Harvard is worth anything when you could get that same education with a couple overdue charges at the public library, that says it all. And that's the truth today, except for you don't have to go to a public library. You just got to jump on a computer and there's plenty of places. If you're willing to be more interested than interesting, if you're willing to do your best, learn lessons and have fun, it's not the education that's different, it's the environment, the experience, and the people that you get at a Purdue or a Harvard or an Indiana, where my daughter's a senior, by the way, at IU. Okay. So yes, I pay for my kids to go to college, not because they're getting more education than watching Dave Meltzer videos, because experientially, personally, relationship-wise, there's no better place for my kids. And um, I got the same mindset as you as well. I totally agree. I know we got to wrap this up. Last question. What does the good life mean to you? <laughs> the good life to me is having the right mindset, heart set, and hand set. The good life is created by living in faith that there's something bigger than me that loves me more than my mom to truly live in abundance. I live in a world of more than enough. That's the good life. And I have faith the majority, minutes and moments I spend outside of faith and fear, but the majority of my life is spent in faith and world of abundance, an infinite world of more than enough of everything for everyone. And uh, that to me is not the good life, it's the great life, the best life and the life that I wanna leave, my best life. Love it. I love it. Well, hey, I'm extremely uh, grateful that uh, you invited me out here. This has been one of the coolest experiences of my life. I really do appreciate it. I hope you know that. Uh, but yeah, that's it for episode 16 of The Good Life, LA edition of David Melter. Thank you again for hopping on the podcast, David. Thanks for showing up. Remember, everybody, show up and anything can happen.